0: Hey, you're listening to the Bramley Baptist Church podcast. We're glad you're joining us to listen to this week's message. Whether you're starting your journey or looking to strengthen your walk with God, we believe that God will speak to you today. Let's get into the Word together. Well, when I was young, I uh, I loved roller coasters. Uh, anyone anyone love roller coasters in here? I mean, I can't ride them anymore. It hurts too much. Uh, But I did love roller coasters when I was young. I'll never forget, though, how terrified I was the first time I rode uh, a roller coaster. And of course, the the roller coaster that I started with, I was peer pressured in by my friends. And uh, it was the largest one in the world at the time. It started with a 205 foot drop right off the start. So if you ever been on a roller coaster like this, when it has that, uh, starts with that steep climb, right? It takes what seems like an hour to get to the top, and all you hear is that click, 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 click. And in your mind, what you're starting to think is, what have I done? You start wondering, is it too late to get off this thing? And then you start checking to make sure you're you're buckled in. Like, is this thing working? Like, am I going to be tight? But there's a point when you realize there's no turning back. You reach the top and all of a sudden the clicking stops and the inertia of gravity takes over and you plummet 200 feet and there's nothing you can do but hold on for dear life. You know, as I read uh, over the life of Cain this morning, that's, that's kind of the image that I gained as I, as I thought about it. The, the slippery slope that sin takes us on. There's a point where, where you and I, we, we wrestle with temptation, we wrestle with uh, sin, a point where we can turn around and go the other way and change our mind, but we reach a point where it's straight to the bottom and all you can do is hold on for dear life. What I'm hoping that we gain as we look at Genesis 4 this morning is just that, that the, 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 the path of sin is a slippery slope it always lasts longer than we want it to last it always draws us to stay longer than we want to stay and it always costs us so much more than we are willing to pay it's never just a a dabble it's never just a a nibble it's never just a, a brief excursion it leads to longer and deeper paths and the cost is always greater and we want to pay. Look with me this morning at Genesis chapter Uh, 4, if you have it in your Bibles or uh, if you have your devices, uh, as I say every week, so important for you to have your copy of God's Word in front of you so that you can follow along and and see God's Word for yourself. Uh, And I'm going to read from uh, the English Standard Version for us. I'm just going to ask if you'd stand in reverence to God's Word as I read it. And I'm just going to read the first, I think, 15 uh, verses for us. But we're going to look at the whole chapter. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. him. Am, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Behold, you've driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is... God's word to us this morning. You may be seated. Uh, So if you're just joining us uh, this morning, maybe you're visiting, uh, we've been journeying through uh, the early chapters of Genesis and we've witnessed uh, God creating the world out of nothing. We've witnessed God creating the world with beauty and purpose and order. Uh, We've seen God creating humanity. He created them male and female to live in relationship and to reflect his glory. He places humanity in the garden to live in perfect intimacy with him. God created this world perfect and good. And then over the last two weeks, we've seen the devastating, the the tragic events of mankind giving into temptation, falling into sin, and the far-reaching consequences of the impact of sin. And as we turn to chapter 4, I mean, our hope is that the tragedy is is now over. But what we realize as we start reading is that the tragedy has just begun. What we are meant to see in these opening chapters of Genesis is just how quickly sin spreads and how deeply rooted sin is in the heart of humankind. If chapter 3 was meant to show us how far-reaching the impact of sin is, Chapter 4 is meant to show us how deeply rooted sin is in the heart of humankind. I mean, here we are one generation removed from the fall and within one generation, we have not just disobedience to the Lord, but we have the most tragic sin, the taking of another human life made in the image of God. I mean, just one generation after the fall, we have murder. And we have to wonder, where did he even get that idea from? What placed that thought in his head or heart? How did we get here? Well, well here's what we find out as we start looking at Genesis 4. We, we find out that the impact of sin, well, it, it lasts longer than we want it to last. We get that as we open the chapter. We see the the celebration of, of Eve over the birth of her son. Look at Genesis 4, chapter 1. It says this. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. I have gotten a man with the help of the lord i mean that's that's an interesting birth announcement isn't it i mean usually when a baby is born uh, we announce the birth of a baby boy or a girl but eve says i have gotten a man oh, what's going on here well Her words, most commentators tell us, are are, are meant to draw our attention back to the promise of chapter 3, verse 15. Remember that promise that we read? Just look back at 3.15, the promise uh, where, where God says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel And this promise of chapter 3, verse 15, well, that becomes central. It becomes a a central theme in the rest of the book of Genesis. The promise that, that from the offspring of the woman, a man shall be born who will crush the head of the serpent. That is, the seed of the woman will produce a savior. And that savior will deliver them from the consequences of their sin. And Eve's wording here of this birth demonstrates she's hoping, she believes this could be the one. She's hoping this is the man. She's hoping that deliverance is coming, that the effects of her mistake, her sin, her failure would be over. She wants this thing over quick. She wants to be restored to God like she was before in the garden with all the blessings. She doesn't want to wait. She wants deliverance now. And often we find ourselves in the same situation, don't we? Like I remember when I was a kid and I got grounded for two or three weeks. I mean, after day two or three, I'm like, mom, please come on. It's too much to bear here. We don't want to continue to live in the consequences of our actions We would love for the consequences to be over quickly and painlessly, but that's not how it works. The consequences, the impact of sinful choices are often felt for years after the initial act. See, we know that Cain proved to be anything but a savior. and In fact, Cain was the fulfillment of of verse 15, but it wasn't the promise of the deliverer. But rather, he was the fulfillment of the conflict between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. What we have in Cain and his brother Abel is this prototype of the conflict we have in the world. The, the conflict between uh, the seed of the enemy and the seed of the promise, right? Cain here, he represents the, the unredeemed of humanity in this world. Those who reject God and reject the way of God, the seed of the serpent, and the conflict is with those who are the seed of the woman, those who want to serve God, who live for God, and who are children of God. And the reason that you and I face so much conflict in this world is because while well, the agenda of the two worlds are opposite and so they conflict with one another, this is the tension, the consequences that Adam and Eve have been dealing with ever since the fall. And no doubt, they just want it to be over. But we've been in the same boat. I mean, how many of us are still dealing with the effects of sin, the impact of mistakes and failures that we've made years ago? And, and if only we knew the, the far-reaching impact, the, the lasting consequences on the direction of our life, if we knew the, the ongoing struggle with sin that it would cause for years to come, perhaps, perhaps we would have chosen differently. But the impact of sin, it always, it always lasts longer than we want it to last But we keep reading and we find out that Cain and his brother Abel, uh, well they both bring an offering to the Lord. Uh, Cain being a farmer, he brings uh, the offering from the fruit of the ground. And Abel being a shepherd, well he brings uh, uh, the uh, sacrifices of the firstborn of, of his flock and the fat portions of his flock. But it's how the Lord responds to each of these offerings that kind of changes the direction of this narrative. Look at what it says there in verse 3 to 5. It says In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So the second half of verse four says, the Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but for Cain's offering, well, he had no regard. In other words, the Lord was pleased. He accepted the offering of Abel, but he did not accept Cain's offering. He rejected Cain's offering. And that tells us something about the God that we serve. That God cares how we come to him in worship. There's a right way to worship and there's a wrong way to worship. God cares about the motives behind our offerings. We can't just come to the Lord in any old fashion and offer him up any kind of worship. It matters how we worship the Lord. I cannot just worship God in my own way or in a way that's comfortable to me and feels right to me. It matters that when we are worshiping the Lord, we are worshiping him in a way that he has called us to worship him. The question then we have to ask is, well then, what was wrong with Cain's offering? Well, we aren't really told. I mean, Bible teachers and theologians have debated about this for years, you could imagine. Uh, but we can start with what the Bible says about it. I think the writer of Hebrews gives us a hint. In the book of Hebrews, verse, chapter 11, verse 4, it says this. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So the writer of Hebrews seems to say, well, the the issue with Cain is that Cain didn't offer his sacrifice in faith. Abel came to the Lord in in faith, and in faith he gave the best that he had, but but Cain, it was not faith. Maybe Cain came because... It was his duty or tradition or because his mom made him or who knows. But whatever reason brought him to offering that offer that day, it wasn't faith. You know, I think there's some hints in our text as well. For instance, notice the difference of how these sacrifices are described. I mean, notice that Abel's sacrifice is described as the firstborn of his flock and fat portions. While well, Cain's is simply the fruit of the ground. It wasn't the first of his crops. It wasn't, and it, was, it wasn't the best of his harvest. It was simply some fruit from his ground. It hints to us at least that that Abel brought the very best that he had to offer the Lord. He didn't hold back. He knew that that God deserved and and required the best of him. And so he brings the the fat portions and the the best of his flock to offer to the Lord. Well, Cain, it seems, grabbed some crops from the ground. Any old turnip and pumpkin will do. And he laid it before the Lord and said, here you go. So, Cain didn't offer his sacrifice in faith. He didn't bring the Lord the best that he had to offer. What does that tell us about how you and I come to the Lord and and worship and bring him offerings? Well, it tells us that when we worship the Lord, I mean, it it should come from a place of faith. We worship the Lord in faith, but it also tells us that, that God will not be satisfied with our sloppy leftovers. But when we offer something to the Lord, we offer him the best of what we have to offer. God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice. He wasn't pleased with Cain's. And this is where uh, the slippery slope now begins. Notice Cain's reaction in the second half of verse five. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Cain was angry here's what we start to find out about sin is is not only does it last longer than we want it to last but it, it draws us in to stay longer than we want to stay i mean this is where most sin begins like the average person doesn't wake up and say oh you know i think i'm gonna murder someone today we don't wake up thinking i think i'm gonna have an affair today Nobody wakes up and saying, yeah, I feel like embezzling a large load of money. But sin, at its root, it, it starts with a, a desire, an emotion, a feeling, a thought. It starts with anger. It starts with lust. It starts with greed. And sometimes, sometimes we, we have these feelings, these thoughts, these emotions that come over us. And, and we aren't looking for them. They just kind of enter into our minds. Or something happens and it provokes this emotion out of us. That's not the problem. The problem happens, the slippery slope starts with what we do with that thought, with that emotion, with that feeling. Do we entertain it? See, Cain gets a warning from God here. Do you see it there in verse 6 and 7? The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. I mean, this is the valley of the battle with sin and and we've all been there before. God's warning to Cain is is a warning to us all. Two choices, like you are either going to be destroyed by your sin or you need to be the one that's destroying sin in your life. We we get this feeling, we get this thought, this desire that, that enters into our heart and we can either allow ourselves to be controlled by it or we can, with God's help, overcome it. I mean, at this point for Cain, the, the roller coaster is, is still going up and it hasn't gone over the edge. There's still time for him. Cain, you, you can choose right now to repent and turn to the Lord. You can go back and you can offer him the sacrifice that he deserves and desires, or you can allow your emotions and your feelings and your desires rule your life and take you over the edge. The problem isn't the sudden thought or feeling. It's what we do with it. The problem isn't that you got angry. What do you do with that anger? Do you let it fester? Do you stew on it? Do you dwell on it? Do you allow it to cause a rift between you and another person? The problem isn't the, the lustful thought. It's what you do with it. Do you fantasize about it? Do you get it carried away? Do you start dreaming and planning and festering on it? Problem isn't the longing to be rich. It's the planning, the scheming, the longing for what money can bring to your life. Have you ever had one of those nights where you you get the munchies? You know, it always comes like I'll have a a good week, good two weeks of, of eating well, but then there's these nights where I get cravings. And I think to myself, you know, just maybe, just two cookies. Like, like how bad could two cookies be, right? It's just two cookies. And maybe I'm right, like, like maybe there's nothing wrong with having those two cookies. It's not gonna hurt anything. But here's what happens when you eat sugar. When you eat sugar, your insulin spikes. And when your insulin spikes, your body begins to crave more sugar. So the problem isn't the two cookies. The problem is that those two cookies led to a big bowl of chips and a big bottle of Pepsi. (laughs) See, sin is much the same way. When we give into just a little, just a tad, oh, it feels right, it feels good. And it starts this ripple effect that leads to something else and then something else and then something else. The slippery slope that forces us to stay longer than we want to stay. And that's, that's where we see Cain at right now. He gives in to this desire and it leads to deception and his deception leads to murder. I mean, the tragedy of the next verse, I mean, it happens so quickly. It says, it says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain spoke to his brother and and we aren't sure what he says. We could imagine, no doubt. He said something to deceive him. How else is he gonna get him in the field? Abel trusted his brother Cain and Cain takes advantage of that trust. And we imagine, he probably said, hey bro, you know what? I need your help in the field today. Can you give me a hand? You know, something I, something I need to talk to you about. I think we got some privacy out in the field. Why don't we go out there and chat for a minute? And while they're out in the field, Abel, unsuspecting Cain, rises up and murders his brother. I mean, what a tragedy. How tragic. How tragic it is that sin comes so naturally to humanity. No one had to teach Cain how to do this, no one had ever done it before, but Cain knew what to do. And it's true of you and I. Like, no one has to teach us to sin. It comes quite naturally, too naturally. In fact, sin is is so instinctive in us, we have to be taught not to sin. And anyone who's raised kids for any length of time can testify to that fact. I don't have to teach my kids to be selfish. I have to teach them to be selfless. I don't have to teach them to lie to me, it comes naturally. I have to teach them the importance of honesty. I don't have to teach my kids to be rude. It comes naturally. I have to teach them the importance of kindness. By the way, the Lord's blessed us with great kids, so I'm not. God's been gracious to us. I'm just giving you an example. The truth is the reality that humanity by nature is sinful and, and that's the result of the fall. It's not, how, it's not just how far reaching sin is, it's how deeply rooted in our hearts it is. The slippery slope of sin always causes us to stay longer than we want to stay. And we see this descent that Cain is on. Continue on in verse 9 and 10. Look what it says. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You know, perhaps we, we kind of take this for granted, but but what we what we have to see is just this this is the ultimate result of sin taking root in someone's heart. There's there's a, a hardening that's come over Cain's heart. He is unresponsive, untouched by the prompting of God in his life. Cain, where is your brother? And and we would we would hope that he would say, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't know what came over me, I don't know what I've done. No, he just acts like nothing's happened. Just complete hardness of heart towards sin, towards God. And this is the ultimate result. This at worst is is unredeemed mankind without Christ. Sin so deeply rooted in their lives and hearts, they're oblivious to the severity of it and without any desire to respond to the Lord. And yet the scary thing is that you and I as Christians can get to this point as well. For the Christian brother or sister, we we can grieve the Holy Spirit in our lives to a point where we just become numb to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, numb to the prompting of God in our lives. It's a slippery slope. Sin forces us to stay longer than we wanna stay. But sin always costs us more than we are willing to pay. That's what we see as we keep reading here in Genesis 4. Sin always costs us more than we are willing to pay. That much becomes clear as we've seen Cain's reaction to God's pronouncement of judgment. Look at verses 11 to 13. It says, God says to him, And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Sin has consequences. There's forgiveness, but there's always consequences. We saw last week with the first sin of Adam and Eve, there's always consequences. And I'm often surprised at how people are surprised by consequences for their sin. It's amazing to me, so, so many Christians live so freely in willful disobedience to God and then we're surprised when there's consequences for, for Cain, it, it wasn't about the ground. It was about Cain's ability to provide a fruitful life for himself. And so God is saying, the ground that you work as a farmer, well, well now the earth isn't going to produce as bountifully as it used to produce for you. Like you. You cannot continue to live in willful sin and think that God is just going to continue to bless you. It doesn't work that way. The second part of his, his consequences, I mean, back in early civilization, there was no police, there was no government to give your security, your protection. It came from your family. But Cain, he's lost that now. He sinned against his family. You're going to be a wanderer. And we see Cain's reaction. He's surprised. My punishment is greater than I can bear. I mean, this was no accident. This was no momentary lapse in judgment. This was premeditated murder. He planted, he spoke to his brother, he deceived him and he killed him. And some say, well, maybe, I mean, it seems like maybe Cain was repentant. Was he repentant? Well, let's, let's read his reaction there in verse Fourteen, He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And then in verse 14, he says, behold, you've driven me today away from the ground and from your face, I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. It's starting to dawn on him the consequences of his actions. He can now no longer stay in the land. He has always known his relationship with God is no longer what it was. He says, from your face, I shall be hidden. And he's lost the security and protection of family. He's mourning this. But my friends, that's not repentance. He just feels sorry for himself. You know, we often We often mistake regret for repentance, but just because you feel bad, it doesn't mean it's repentance. Cain is like the child crying in his room, not because he feels bad about what they have done, but because they've got caught and are now being punished. Repentance is a recognition that you are wrong and that God is right. It's a willingness to do whatever it takes to make it right. A turning from that which you have loved in sin and running towards the Lord. The cost of sin is always more than we are willing to pay. And yet what we see is that God has grace on Cain. Instead of family protection God becomes his protector Cain is worried that if he's a wanderer that he's going to be killed but Cain or but God gives him a promise there in verse 15 he says then the Lord said to him not so if anyone kills Cain vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold and the Lord put a mark on Cain lest anyone who found him should attack him now again that's that's not a grace that leads to restoration here let's not mistake that There's no forgiveness without repentance, but rather what Cain is gaining from God, there's what is called common grace. That is the grace that God shows to everyone. There's a a grace that leads to salvation, uh, but there's a grace that God shows uh, to all of humanity and they are able to live and provide, right? Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. God shows Cain common grace. He settles down, marries, starts a civilization. He has descendants. And this is what we see every day with people in the world who don't know Jesus. Whether they believe in Jesus or not, they wake up, they go to work, they build society, they contribute to the flow of life on this earth. That's common grace. And yet consequences of Cain's sin are not over yet. As much as God is blessing Cain with common grace, the cost of sin is felt the greatest on his family. Notice what happens in Cain's line. He has descendants and those descendants lead to a a man named Lamech in verse 19. Look what it says about Lamech in verse 19. It says, and Lamech took two wives. First time happens in the Bible. He takes two wives and one, the name of one was Ada and the other, the name of the other was Zilah. Lamech takes two wives. Now, Now, let's be clear. That's not celebrated as a good thing here. What we're meant to see is how the fall of Adam and Eve, how mankind has continued on this descent deeper into sin. And within seven generations, what God has designed as good between husband and wife as marriage is now being perverted. And you see this as you read the Old Testament. As you read the Old Testament, whenever someone has more than one wife, it never goes well for them. And it's always a lesson when you step outside of God's design, it never goes well for you. As people move farther away from Eden, as people grow and sin grows, the farther they get from God's good design and purposes, the more that marriage and family are perverted. And yet it doesn't stop there. Lamech not only takes two wives, he follows in the footsteps of his father Cain in being a murderer. Look at in verse 23 and 24. It says, Lamech said to his two wives, Ada and Zilah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77fold. So the severity now of murder has spread and worsened. Lamech kills not one, but two men. And he's not shameful about it at all. In fact, he's boastful. He's prideful about it. This is the consequence of sin we often don't think about. You know, often when we grieve the, the consequences of our sin, it's the cost that sin has on our own life. But we don't think about how our actions are affecting future generations. How our children and their children and their children may follow in our footsteps. Parents, your children are watching you and they're being impacted by your choices and your words and your actions. And not only are they impacted, but the future generations of your family are being impacted. And yet the good news is that all it takes is one. Our chapter here, it praise God, it, it ends on a high note. Look at the end of verse 25 and 26 there. It says, and Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has pointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Notice that the chapter ends how it began. Adam and Eve coming together, conceiving a son, Seth. Seth has a son named Enosh. And at this point, we're, we're so used to tragedy. We're like, oh no, oh no, not this again. Where's this going? But something different. It says, at that time, people began to call upon the name of, of the Lord. I mean, praise God, there is always hope. You know, what we might expect as we read of this first family is just this picture-perfect family, right? I mean, if, if you and I uh, were, were, were writing the Bible, perhaps what we would want to say is, hey, this is what family is supposed to be like. The first family, But what we see in the first chapter of Genesis is the the impact that that sin and and the brokenness and the, 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 the devastation it brings to families. And some of us this morning, I mean, some of us, we come from broken families. Families that we don't even talk to. Families that have hurt us and abused us. Families that we think nothing good can come from. And yet, the good news is you don't have to follow in the footsteps of your family. You can make the choice this morning to call on the name of the Lord. And as far reaching as sin's impact is on generations, As far-reaching as sin's impact is, is on generations after generations of families, then even greater impact is the impact of one generation. One generation who's willing to call on the name of the Lord. I mean, that's where you want to start this morning. Maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus. Maybe you haven't committed your life to him. Maybe you see more of Cain in yourself than you'd like to admit. I mean, there is good news. We, we heard all about the good news from folks in the tank this morning. Brother and sister, I want you to know that, that we are sinners just as worse as Cain. But the good news is that Jesus came to die for the sinner. that he went to the cross bearing your sin. He laid his life down for your forgiveness and God raised him from the dead so that you can walk in the newness of life. And all it takes is one who is willing to call on the name of the Lord. The impact of sin, it it lasts longer than we want it to last. It it draws us to stay longer than we want it to stay. It, It always costs us more than we are willing to pay. And yet, and yet there's hope for those who are willing to call on the name of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Oh Lord, the impact of your truth as we look into it like a mirror and see so much of ourselves. And yet we thank you that you always give us hope that no matter how far we have wandered, no matter how deeply entrenched in sin we are, that you will go to the darkest depths and pull us out. And I pray that there might be one here this morning who needs you to do that. There might be one here this morning who needs to be restored. Father, do a work in the hearts of your people through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening and making us a part of your walk. We encourage you to take today's teachings and apply it to your life. Challenge not only yourself, but those around you. Our support in your journey does not end here. To hear more messages from all our series or to speak to someone to help grow your faith, visit us at brandley.org.